Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, we're looking down the barrel uh, at a great friend of the show, well-known to the cricketing world, a World Cup winner, an Ashes winner, a Tasmanian stalwart, now a national selector and a widely acknowledged excellent leader uh, who is, from all reports, building some heavyweight academic acumen or has built some heavyweight mm. academic acumen to match that real-life experience. Look at those furrowed brows as I say that. Uh, <laughs> it's our friend and yours, George Bailey. Uh, Bales, welcome to Life Outside Cricket on The Great Cricketer. G'day, gents. Pleasure to be here, as always. Mm. You seem afraid of what I'm about yeah. to ask. Yeah, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, just the building, the, what was that? I, I, I was worried that you've already used a word. I don't even understand what it means. That's, a, <laughs> that's not a good We can get into that. Good start. Well, to, just to kick off, as we have all the other guests, George, like be, beyond life on the field for you as a cricketer or life in the game, like, mm. you know, what is it that you've studied and pursued outside the game? Um, well, I've, I've completed a, um, an MBA through, through the University of Tasmania um, on the back of uh, getting to a point in my career where I thought, yeah, I better just start to have one eye um, on what's going to happen post-career and looked at a few different study options and, um, and without really having a, a grand plan of what I wanted to do or where I might go, the MBA to me looks like um, it would give me a little taste of a number of different, um, a number of different things and, and some skill sets that I, I hoped would be beneficial uh, post-playing. And, and for those who aren't across it, because um, I think a lot of people have heard the acronym MBA before, it's a Masters of Business Administration. I mean, can you what what is it? What do you what do you learn in an MBA? What is that? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think there's there's basically a, a subject around nearly um, nearly everything. There's a you know there's a subject around um, managing people. There's a subject on um, a little bit of very basic legal frameworks. I think around framework, um, the subject on ethics and governance. Um, so you know, a couple of mathematics subjects, which uh, yeah. You know, so there's some things there that I thought were, you know, I, I felt like without having studied them, I had a good grounding in. Um, but you know, particularly the people-based uh, subjects, and there were some that were completely um, new to me, and I had no concept of, and you know, very very limited uh, background on. Um, and they, you know, like any 
degree or a course that you do, you know, some of them I found really, really interesting and, and really opened my eyes and some, you know, some I found really challenging. Um, and I, I think also part of it is, is trying to build some, um, build a few relationships with some other people that are going through the MBA at the same time and are in completely, completely different um, facets of the business world to you. So they uh, approach problems with a completely different perspective and that's that's refreshing as well. Mm. You had a sort of bit of a, um, a long slog with uni, didn't you, Bowers? Because I, I was reading just casually the other day, just popped through the letterbox, uh, the Launceston Church Grammar Newsletter, um, which obviously I subscribe to. And it says you moved to Hobart straight after year 12 when you were 18 under the guise of attending university. I mean, how little of thought was actually studying when you were 18? No, no, they, no, guys. I was, I was dead, dead set. That's what I actually thought I was coming to Hobart for. I wasn't sure where the cricket was going to take me. Right. Um, but when, when cricket did take off, and it's amazing, you know how, how far, um, you know, technology and I think the flexibility around study has become, um, and 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 universities' willingness to. Um, accept people doing things a different way that those first couple of years as cricket takes off particularly second semester each year i found that really challenging i you know was constantly deferring deferring exams and then trying to defer deferred exams and um wasn't getting a great deal of help um from from the uni at that stage so eventually um it just fell by the back burner and i feel like Mm. I'm a, I'm a bit of an interesting generation because the, mm. the guys that I looked up to when I joined the Tasmanian squad, they had all worked as as young players um, and then they basically, I think it was so 2000 or 2001 was my first rookie contract, it was about the first couple of years where the state players were getting paid well enough where they didn't it could become a full-time job mm. um, and, and they weren't, have to, weren't having to hold down a, a job. Um, so for a lot of the guys that I looked up to, they were actually – um, stepping back from work mm. and quitting their jobs that they'd had, um, and you know they'd already done the study. So for a number of years there, we probably didn't have the role models to look up to as guys who were working really hard outside of um, outside of the outside of the sporting field. And it was only yeah, you know, but that that got better. The um, you know, the ACA became really good at um, at challenging guys to be doing something outside the game and not just uni. I mean, uni's not for everybody and that's, you know, that's that's really important to mm. make that point as well. Um, so it was just a little bit about a little bit about catching up. And I think the uni, you know, the flexibility now of being able to study yeah. remotely um, and almost pick and choose how you put together a course, that's really interesting as well. Because when you must have been 18 or 19 when um, CA brought in rookie contracts for the first time, but also you were a gun AFL player and you played, you played good tennis as well. So sport must have been a huge distraction for you at 18. Then if CA brings in rookie contracts, like that's a, that's a no-brainer if you're 18, 19, 20, whatever you were. Yeah, absolutely, and and just solidified. I mean, I think by that stage, um, you know, if, if I was going to have a crack at anything, tennis, you got to make that call pretty early. Football, right. I had a crack at getting drafted, um, so I was running out of options. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what the rookie contract situation is like in table tennis. So, it was, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, cricket had to work, and yeah, I've, yeah, like like so many things in life, just fortuitous that that's, that that's when it kicked off and, um, yeah, and, and able to do that. And then, yes, yeah, so I had some sporadic times of, of trying to get back to uni at different different bits and bobs throughout throughout my playing career. But, um, yeah, got to the stage where 
I knew it was becoming important. And, you know, the, the people that you look up to, having having Eddie Cowan down playing for Tasmania and um, he was always so focused on what he was doing and, and learning outside of the game, that made it really easy for me to um, mm. have someone to bounce ideas off and, and, and have someone to look up to on that front. Mm. You mentioned earlier, George, that there was some crossover with what you might have experienced playing cricket and then what you'd studied, especially on the people management side of things and whatnot. Like... Um, you, you would have been in close proximity through your playing career with many business people within sport, like who are administering the game uh, or a part of the broader cricketing economy as, you know, corporate sponsors or managers or event specialists or whatever. Like as a player, when you were playing, like what, what were the qualities you admired in the best administrators as business people through your time? And then if you could titillate us, what are some of the less desirable traits you've seen in sports business people? Uh, it's, it's probably a lot of the stuff, the same words that you that you throw around cricket change rooms, to be honest. Um, and that's probably top of, top of the pops, isn't it? Honesty, I think the guys, um, or genuineness, the um, the leaders that you come across that you can tell uh, have a, a genuine interest or a genuine care uh, about their staff, about their product, about their service, whatever that may be. Um, they're not, you know, they're not just throwing a heap of words at you and then as soon as the door shuts, they're, they're on to something else. So I think that's, that's, probably, uh, that's probably pretty important. Um, and then I'm a big fan of, of people who, who, who do what they, they say they're going to do. So, you know, guys who get, get things done, um, that, that obviously resonates pretty strongly and, you know, less desirable. Um, that's probably on the back of that. I'm, you know, the guys who... Um, you know, it's more piss and wind and a great at sort of selling or selling a lot of words, but there's not much not much oomph behind it um, that wears print pretty thin um, and, and just a lack, yeah, lack of honesty is not, not a great precursor for, mm. for um, mm. it's, yeah, it's amazing that it's amazing how many great businesses are out there and, and, um, and the, the standard of leaders and, mm. and guys that you see at the top of girls that see at the top have, have got there. And, um, and there's, there's no one right way of doing it. There's no one perfect leader. There's no one, um, there's not a set of traits that are awful either. It's, you know, there's, it's always a, a molding of that, that, that makes a good leader. I'm sure you always had some kind of uh, natural instinct for what a good uh, leader or business person was according to those values that you just mentioned before. But did, did study give you a sort of, I don't mean to lead you with it, but did it give you a framework to better evaluate that kind of stuff and then maybe apply it a, across cricket? Or is it just something you, you've always been able to pick up and have known within yourself quite well? Uh, I, the biggest things for me were, and touched on it earlier, were um, just, Understanding what a what a naive and, and very limited um, background I'd had, and you know, a very sheltered life in terms of what I'd experienced. So, trying to be much more aware and open to other opinions. Um, and again, you know, the same. There's very few things where there's one right one right way of doing it, particularly in business. Mm. Probably a little different for open heart surgery or something like that. But so. <laughs> You know, there's just um, just me being aware that my opinion's my opinion, and um, and that's basically all it is. So just trying to listen a little better to yeah. to what other people think and where they're coming from, and 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 understanding why they landed on on where they landed. Um, that that was really important. And the second bit for me was um, as much around 
around discipline. I think we're really, or certainly um, state and and, inter- and and the national team cricket wise, you're very very structured when you're when you're on tasks. Um, so start of training times, end of training times, even to the point of what you're doing within training. Um, but then what you do outside of that. Um, and perhaps it is because it's structured, or perhaps it's just my personality. You, you, could, you could find yourself drifting quite comfortably um, through a lot of days or weeks, depending on what at time of the year is. And there's an easy excuse that um, you know you don't have time, or we don't have the the structure. And I, you know, certainly I do envy AFL where you get you know you play on a Friday, Saturday, you've got the week, and it can mm. be very structured in how you review your game, the day you have off for your study or your Mm. off-field work and how um, and once the cricket season starts it is it's it's all over the place but um, but I, I was selling myself that message and it just wasn't true there were there was time and the, and you know whether again whether that was uni or whether it was leaning on something else it ended up being the NBA for me but um, just actually forcing myself to be disciplined enough with my time um, mm. and to start to put a bit of structure in my life. That was probably the second greatest thing I got out of it. Mm. Yeah, I was interested how the how, how you actually landed on the NBA to, to do that because I know you're a bit of a greens farm, in fact, just before you were just flicking through the Bunnings magazine, as mm. is your want. Mm. So I thought maybe you might be interested in some, in some horticulture or, um, or famously there was a um, TV executive who said to you, um, <laughs> without the TV rights deal, George is probably working in a coal mine or flipping burgers at McDonald's. I mean, was that also a consideration before the NBA? Yeah, but you know, like you go through those drive throughs now. Those kids are sharp. Those kids <laughs> are sharp, and my, I think my retort at the time was that, you know, given that that was, I would have been there for three or four years by that stage. I reckon I would have progressed at least to the drive through or yeah. some mm, sort of a yeah. managerial position. But oh, I don't know now. <laughs> I'm actually, <laughs> I don't know if I've got that in me. And um, and you know, I, I know a few gardeners and um, great job, but it's a bit like like a baby. It's nice to be able to give it back to whoever actually yeah. owns it. So <laughs> jump in the garden a little bit when it's your own. But I, I you know, doing that day in, day out, hats off to those guys. Particularly Tassie in July. That's the oh, last yeah. job you've Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like like now you've completed an MBA, maybe you do better understand where players' money's coming from. Like like uh and, and Chinese tariffs might might have placed downward pressure on burger flippers, but do you wonder whether <laughs> It might be might have been more money in coal mining or iron ore mining given the boom in the early 2010s. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If uh, they don't teach hindsight, unfortunately, but there's <laughs> uh, you could spend a lot of time there. But yeah, it's there's lots. There's uh, even even just my um, openness to looking at at other areas of of mm. um, society of where business opportunities might lie has been great. So. Um, Tim Payne and, and Nick Rewalt and I have just have bought uh, the, the franchise rights to Body Fit Training BFT in, in Tasmania and, nice. and just setting the studios up there and the and hiring of staff and finding locations. All that stuff's been um, been constantly you know, fascinating. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of the skills that I'm having to bring to that um, I, I had on the table. Or certainly if I, if I did, I probably didn't have a way of being able to formally put them into use. That's, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I wonder. Um, I wonder, Bales, like when you're playing cricket and you literally captained the Australian cricket team, like, are people telling you, like, mate, don't worry about after cricket, just worry about now. Like, you'll be fine if you want to go into media, you can do that, or investing, or whatever you want to do. Like, is it sort of um, are you sort of told at the time, like, just don't, like, don't worry about now, you you'll be fine, or or is there sort of structures in place to be like sort you sort your shit out now? 
Uh, not so much that. I think you get told a lot that the skills that you pick up in a, in a professional sporting environment are very transferable to business. Mm. Um, Is that true? Which I agree with, but you don't know that at the time and you don't know um, how, how to implement them or, you know, how that's going to come to play. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's one thing to say it, but it doesn't, it certainly didn't make me feel any more comfortable when mm. the transition comes. Um, and I mean, that's, that's only very one small, one very small part of transitioning anyway. It's the, it's the fact you're starting something new and, um, and for a lot of guys, particularly if you've had a decent, you're somewhere close to the top of your tree, whether that's, domestically or internationally and mm. invariably wherever you go back to outside of that, you're starting down the bottom again. And mm. that's, um, you got to get used to that feeling of, of, of feeling like a rookie um, and not, and being comfortable with that and understanding that much like the day you walked into your first training session and all you just, you were open, you were, you had a growth mindset and all you wanted to do was learn from the, mm. the best players around you. That's basically the approach that, um, that you have to take now. Yeah. The way I see it to, to your job or your business. And I no, there's no doubt. I mean, I think the Outplayers Association have done a, a wonderful job at focusing on that and, and understanding that um, each player's journey will be a little different to how they end up there. But, you know, I think the, the underlying principle is there'll be guys, play, girls that will play one game of cricket for their state or country and there'll be some that will play 150. Mm. Um, it doesn't really matter at some stage. They'll have to do something else in their life and it'll only be a small period and, um, you'll actually look back and you'll end up spending more time doing something else than, than your, 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 your cricketing career or your sporting career. So the skills are going to be important and there's no doubt that our Players Association are well aware of that. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you because like once you've achieved your dream of playing professional sport, it actually might even not be professional sport, like people who just play club level or whatever, they, they win a third grade flag. I'm now just talking about myself. You know, it doesn't you get any... win a flag. <laughs> it doesn't. Okay, we, we made a semi once and got washed out. Um, yeah. um, you know, like that's, um, that's like as good as it gets, right? Then it must be, you know, that on steroids for a professional cricketer, like, you know, winning in Ashes as you did in that 5-0 series in 2013. And then like everything else outside, that must be like a watered down... Existence, or is, or is it not as black and white as that? Is it just different? Like you know, you're, you're obviously excited about beef fit training with with Penny and and Nick Ray. Penny, my good mate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is it is it just different, or is or is it actually like ah, oh, this isn't as good as um, winning at the Wacker? <laughs> well, no, it's not. And I mean, that's what you are searching for, isn't it? You're after that. Mm. I guess the thing about when you look back at your cricket career like that, take the Ashes for example. That's a at a twenty-year career, um, that's a a twenty-five day yeah. um, part of that career. So there's lots of opportunities for that, and you know, you guys would be able to. You'd know the same. You've, you've got days that are of work that are the great days, and and days some days that are, are real slogs, and um, and you, you feel like you're not making any progress. And um, but again, it's if if you if you've got a little bit of clarity on on the on the bigger picture on what the goal is and where you want to get to and why you want to get there um but yeah there's no doubt that you're searching for um another passion or something Mm. that you you know something to fill that void of what you felt as passionate about Mm. um when you when you have the opportunity to play and you know that's in many respects very fortunate because we've found that um and we know what it feels like. So I guess when we are seeking that out again, we, we're sort of halfway on the hunt. I, you know, for a lot of people, I imagine, who are going from job to job and 
um, head down, working really hard. Um, it's because of that. It's because they don't quite know what that what that feeling is or what it is they're seeking. Mm, mm. Bowser, one thing you often hear in sports media as players, uh, you know, especially those who are senior players or even they've just finished their career, reflect on coaches. They might have just started coaching and they say, you know, at the time I thought coaching was easy and now that I've seen what it's like to coach, I have a better appreciation uh, for, for what my coaches or what my coach has been able to achieve. I'm just wondering if um, perhaps less transferable, but whether you might have experienced that on a business front, for example. I mean, I'm sure I know cricketers, I know it's only grade level, but you can sneer at administrators or whatever, especially volunteer ones wondering why they're even there. <laughs> um, but then as you gr- grow a little bit more wisdom, you start to understand some of the skills, uh, the subtle skills that they've been able to employ to keep things afloat or succeed. I'm, I'm just wondering if your MBA may have assisted you in uh, better appreciating that. Certainly trying to, and again, back just back to that point of um, understanding that it's there's normally a um, there's normally a lot more to it than than the, the bit that affects you, um, and you know even even um, getting an inkling of that from being a player in Tasmania to becoming the captain and understanding that you know a few of the things that happen in the back office and a few of the challenges that they face and um, you know what goes into setting up a game rather than just you, you, you rock up and the wicket's there and you just assume that all those things are uh, are there for you um, personally that there's you know there's people who are doing their job and doing it really well and are facing their own challenges and all those things so yeah just having trying to have a bit of empathy and understanding that there's a um, there's a myriad of reasons of why things are happening the way they are, and um, and for the very most part, and this is you know, probably consistent across so many things, but you know, 90, 95 percent of people are just doing the, the best job they can with mm-hmm. the with the circumstances they've got. And so once you once you sort of if you go in with that mindset, then I I think you've got the opportunity to work work with someone um, rather than sort of cherry pick the bits that, that you like and, and pick holes in the things that you don't think are going so well. Mm. There's no doubt that the internet has like revolutionised learning for so many people. I presume. Did you do um, your MBA online, or were you in the classroom with Payne yeah. walking through the halls? No, no, I didn't. No, all all online. Um, yeah, and even and you know even just the fact that I think maybe two out of those had had exams that you know exams are, are going um, by the wayside as well. I think right. there's just now an understanding that there's so many better ways to test some whether you know a, a, a person's um, knowledge of a subject or the, or what they've learned across a, a twelve yeah. or thirteen week course. So yeah. so yeah, it was um, it was great and and just you know the access to uh, the access to information from from around the world as opposed to necessarily um, being focused on you know what's just in front of you in Tasmania. Mm. Bales, uh, okay, so well, let's just do an exercise to see uh, how well you um, ingested the tasks or the lessons from your MBA. So, um, like, you know, we know marketing is a big part of business. Um, we can see the marketing angle for your batting stance at the end of your career. <laughs> but well, what were, like, the micro and macroeconomic reasons for it? So, like, you know, for microeconomics, I can see the technical, there's a technical output there. You got some runs out of it. Well, my, what maybe were the macroeconomic reasons for, for um, standing the way you did to face the ball? Now, this is where I think I'd, is that, I think the... Uh... <laughs> Is, is this still working? <laughs> I mean, you did just say that exams are over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you there? I can't. 
You know, like, I'll tell you what, if anyone can explain my batting stance, even to me, uh, that, that that's instant NBA, I reckon. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, Buzz, like, you're obviously going to selecting now. Like, I can't name a selector in my lifetime who's like, he was a great selector. Everyone, everyone, everyone loved him. What a great guy. Yeah. And, like, famously, you're... Every selection was perfect. Every selection was perfect. Bang yeah. on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Got that's it. right on. And, like... You're such a popular guy in like multiple generations, and why why are you doing this basically? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I want to stay involved. Yeah, um, yeah, basically, and and um, a very 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 minor contribution, but hopefully it can be some sort of contribution. Um, I, th- I think T20s exploded, mm. um, and it's become a, a huge beast. And it's, um, you know, I think the challenge of uh, for facing players, facing coaches um, and facing administrations around, administrators around how, how you mould a cricket team out of that, um, how, you, how you mould successful players out of that is, is, a, is a growing challenge. And the game's actually moving faster. Mm. Our knowledge of, of how we actually keep up with that and keep producing um, good cricketers and strong strong and consistent cricket teams is is um is very much ongoing so um a bit of a unique situation i guess of having played um extensively all three formats um Mm. but also understanding um or still young enough or old enough whichever one it is (laughs) to um to know that there was a a time when uh t20 didn't exist and and understanding there's you know still a lot of people for whom um, you know, test cricket is the pinnacle and, and T20 is a dirty word. So just working through all those all those challenges is something I'm enjoying. Um, as I said, you know, I've still got um, well, a couple. I've got a couple of left playing, uh, <laughs> diminishing <laughs> diminishing rapidly as as comes with the role. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity to stay involved involved with them and um, and hopefully, you know, yeah, hopefully see some some. Uh, some Australian cricket teams play some really good cricket over a number of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Bailey, thanks so much uh, for joining us, Matt, and enlightening us on the NBA journey and uh, how it applies to life beyond cricket. Thank you, gents. It's not a topic I thought the three of us would ever uh, touch base on, but I've enjoyed it. (laughs) 